Chapter 13, A Call to Arms. Breaking free from the house and the pondering adults, I ran down the beach under the cover of fog. I headed for the clubhouse ruins where I might find Wing. Where could he be? The burned-out hulk came in and out of focus as wisps of fog drifted in the light offshore breeze. Oh, thank God! I huffed as the fog lifted a bit and revealed Wing talking to one of the beachies. What's up? I gasped, bending with my hands on my knees, trying to catch my breath. Little stars danced across my vision. What's up yourself? Wing said, bending to look at my face. I pulled Tabitha Blue Smoke's threatening note out of my pocket. Just read this. My breath eased, and I watched Wing's face as he read. You okay? Sonny, one of the new beachies, patted my back. He seemed young next to Sibby. He had an army fatigue jacket with the symbol for the big red one on it. It was famous for the bravery they showed the world in the war that just passed. One arm of the jacket was pinned to the body of the jacket. It was missing that arm. Yeah, I'm okay. How about you? I asked to be polite. Yeah, yeah, but there's a lot of stuff going on here. He gestured to the charred timbers. Like what? Did you see who did it? Maybe I'd get lucky. I came here last night with a flashlight. There were no footprints here. He pointed to an area that would have been the floor of our clubhouse. I squat in the hut next door, Sonny said. You know, I don't sleep nights. Too many bad dreams. What we knew about Sonny was that he served in the war at the Battle of the Bulge, one of the most ferocious battles of World War II. That's where he lost his arm. Sibby told my mom that he was the only survivor in his company. I overheard that conversation because as a buccaneer, I pledged to eavesdrop, snoop, and generally gather information about life and times on Fred. Tell her, Sonny, Wing urged. Yeah, I was getting there. He pushed his hair, which was very black and surprisingly shiny, out of his eyes and squinted at the ocean for a second or two. Then he told me what he saw. There was a girl. At least, I thought it was a girl. She knelt right there. He pointed, and you could see the depression in the sand. That's it? No. I saw her, like, sifting through the sand. She did that for about an hour. Then she stood up and pushed the sand back in place with her feet. I guess she wanted to cover her footprints, Wing said. Who was she? I don't know, Sonny said. It was dark. It could have been you, he looked at me. About the same size and definitely a girl. You know, she had that body type, he blushed a bit. This just keeps getting weirder and weirder, Wing said, shaking his head. Oh, he roused himself. Wait till I tell you what I found. I wasn't sure if he was scared or proud that he had a secret to tell. So, I went into the cave late yesterday. What? Alone? Are you nuts? Probably, he shrugged, grinning. Isn't that why you call me Wingnut? Okay, give. Give. Obviously, you found something, I said. 
I went into the other chamber with my flashlight and really took a good look. There are two other passages leading off that room. They're real hard to see because there are overhangs in front of the tunnels. Tunnels? How did you find them? I dropped my flashlight and it went out. Scared the crap out of me. I crawled around on the ground to find the flashlight because it rolled away. Then, in the darkness, I noticed a dim light coming from somewhere. Since I was on the ground, I could see under the overhangs and I saw the tunnels. There was a breeze and I could smell the bay. What did you do? I was spooked. I grabbed my light and got out of there. We have to go back and explore, I said. Sonny looked at me and shook his head. You guys gotta stop doing this stuff without telling anybody. We will tell someone this time, I sort of lied. We do always leave one buccaneer behind, just in case we don't come back from one of these explorations. We've done this before. We had to find and rescue my neighbor's dog. He got wedged between some rocks at the tide line. We had to get the dog out before the tide started coming in or he'd drown. And if we got stuck there, it wouldn't be just the dog who was in deep trouble. We have to go back. Too late today. We have school tomorrow, I thought. Sprocket! Wake up! Wing shook me out of my daydream. I didn't tell you the good part! There was stuff on the floor of the second chamber. And I think I know whose it was. Don't tell me now. Don't worry. Wing said with that cat ate the canary look. I'm saving it for the meeting. And my surprise is in the cave anyway. Holy cow. We need another meeting. After school tomorrow. Can I help? Sonny offered. I don't like the sound of this. Yes, Sonny. Don't tell anyone, okay? Just give us a day to check this out. You got it. But just one day. That's 5.30 p.m. or 17.30 military time tomorrow. We headed back to our own homes. I jumped at every flitting shadow that peeked out of the fog banks. At home, I took out Blue Smoke's note, got out my fingerprint dust and magnifying glass. Where, you ask, did I get this dust? Easy. Charcoal from the fireplace. I made it. First, I looked at the stains with my magnifier. Grease spots and maybe ketchup, but the red stuff could be blood. Then I gently sifted the charcoal dust over the note, and then, just as gently, blew it off. There was only one set of prints and a smudge which I probably made. The prints were easily identified to one person because of an unusual scar on the thumb. I'd have to ask to see Blue Smoke's thumb. My conclusion, the person who wrote the note was a sloppy eater but wore gloves. My findings didn't matter because I'd have to give the note back to Blue Smoke. Unless she wanted to contact the police, the note seemed to lack good clues.